some from high school. So I put those on together. You have some from high school too? Did I miss that? Did you have championships? Of course you did. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the 18th episode of She's Got Balls podcast. Today is Monday, November 2nd. Holy cow. Tomorrow is election day. Hope you guys had an amazing Halloween weekend. Stayed safe, but also had a lot of candy. We have an incredible show for you guys this week. We have on another WNBA superstar, amazing athlete, amazing person, Morgan Tuck. Morgan Tuck is a... Oh my gosh, her resume, I can't wait for you guys to hear her. Four-time NCAA champ at UConn, was drafted number three overall in 2016, and just this past year, she won the WNBA championship with the Seattle Storm. So be sure to stay tuned for that, but before we chat with her, some big games happened last week, and we got some going on this week. And let's start with some MLB last week, officially named the Los Angeles Dodgers the World Series title. They beat Tampa Bay Rays in Game 6, and Corey Seager was named MVP. Super exciting for the Dodgers as they have not won the World Series since 1988. In the NFL, some top games from this past weekend, the Pittsburgh Steelers continue to stay undefeated and are now 7-0 after beating the Baltimore Ravens. The Dolphins won against the LA Rams with rookie QB to his first start. Congratulations to him. And the most important game, of course, is the Buffalo Bills beating the New England Patriots, and this has been a long-standing rival, so we are so, so happy for this win and to get this W. And some pregame details for this week. We kick off NFL Week 9 this Thursday at 820 Eastern. The 49ers will host the Green Bay Packers. And this weekend on Sunday, we will have a bunch of games. The Ravens and Colts are both 5-2 and two playing each other. And same goes for the Saints and the Bucks in Week 9. So they will all be trying to get their sixth win of the season. And for the Jags and Titans, they have both only won one game each. So let's see which team will be able to get their second win of the season. All right, now we're going to bring on Morgan Tuck. She's absolutely an amazing athlete. And right before the bubble, she was traded to the Seattle Storm, where she won her first WNBA championship. So let's bring on the amazing Morgan Tuck. All right, now we have on Morgan Tuck. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so, so excited to have you on. Let's set the scene real quick. Where are you right now in the world? So now I'm in Virginia, and this is home now. Home now, as in what What? What about Seattle? Uh, well, Seattle, I really, honestly, I haven't even lived there yet because of the bubble, because this is my first year with them. Right. Um, but so I'm pretty much only going to live in Seattle during the season in the summertime. So then my off season, if I'm not overseas, I'll be in Virginia. So how'd you pick Virginia to call home? Uh, my parents moved here when I was at school. And so I would like come when I got to go home. This is where I would come to. And then so I've been here for a little bit now. And I want to my sister and brother-in-law, they live in Jersey. So, you know, I was like, I need to be somewhere close to family since I'm always gone. So I picked Virginia. 
Yeah, Seattle's far, so it's very good idea to be close to home. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing it back all the way to the beginning because your like resume is just so beautiful and shiny and I love it so much. So we have to just boast you a little bit here. You're in high school. I'm just going to rattle these off real quick for some people. All-American first team, your freshman year, you got ESPN Rise freshman of the year, and then you got it again your sophomore year as a sophomore of the year, and you were in your senior year, senior Gatorade Illinois Girls Basketball Player of the Year, and you got Illinois Miss Basketball Player of the Year your freshman and senior year, and you are only one of three players that have ever gotten that award twice. When... I rattle that stuff off. Like, what goes through your mind hearing that you accomplished all of that just in high school? I mean, I guess because during, like, it was exciting, like, when I got an award. But, like, I'd say, like, my parents and my coach kept me very humble where it was, like, it was a big deal in a sense, but, like, for a very, very short amount of time. Like, it was really cool, and it's cool to hear it now, especially, like, when you're removed from high school for a little while. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I didn't want to, like, plateau in high school. And, like, I get all these awards, and then I don't do it. Right. Oh, no, I peaked. (laughs) What's next? Yeah. (laughs) That that is act. That's a really good mentality to have because if that was your peak, that would that would have been sad. But been <laughs> thankfully, it was not. Yeah. When you were in high school, being you know one of obviously the top athletes in the country for basketball, the people that you surrounded yourself with, how did they help you and challenge you? And was your high school a big powerhouse in sports? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a really, really good team all four years. And like my sister, she's a year older. She played at the University of Illinois. Um, you know, we had people go to Marquette, to Seton Hall, Auburn, uh, Penn. You know, we had like a lot of, that's kind of what our school was known for in Illinois was if you went there, you got a scholarship. Um, and so we were really, really good. <laughs> like we were in, but we played together all year. Like we didn't go play for the like big name AAU teams. We stuck together. So we played all year and it really helped. Um, and then we had a really good coach. Uh, he was, he was really hard, but his goal was to like, to make high school as close to college as he could. So when you went to college, you were as prepared as possible. So I think it, def- it definitely worked and it helped because a lot of us got to play at the next level. Wow. So you really just surrounded yourself with the best talent you could find. Also, while you were in high school, you were on USA Basketball. You 17, 18, and 19 get the opportunity to play with girls from all over the U.S. What was that benefit look like? Uh, it was a it, it was a great experience just because it was like when I went because the first year I actually went is for U16 and that's actually when I got hurt and I tore my ACL. But when I went then it was the first time I had ever gone where it's like everyone here is the best in their state or the best in their city where they come from. They're the best on their team, all that stuff. So then when you, it was like 30, like 32 or 33 of us. So that was just like an eye-opening experience. So like you can get better. Like you're not the, you might be one of the best where you're from, but everybody has a, a best where they're from. Um, and I think, playing with that team and over the years that helped a lot because you get to really push yourself and you kind of get to measure to see where you're at with the top in the country. Now you mentioned that, you know, being able to play with people all around the world, help you get better and learn more. So when you went to UConn for college, did that experience help you come together with different girls? Yeah, it did for sure. You know, when I came in, it was me, Brianna Stewart and Mariah Jefferson. 
So, you know, and I had played with both of them in USA. So I think that helped too, because I already knew them. I had played with them for a couple of years on those teams. Um, and then college is just, it's like your coaches make it. I'm sure, you know, like they just try to make it so hard sometimes. How did you decide to go to UConn? Um, well, actually on one of my visits, me and Bree, Brianna went together um, and we talked about like we were going to, we both really liked it, but that we were going to go visit Duke first. <laughs> um, but I had committed before I left. So she went to visit Duke, but ended up committing anyway. Um, but for me, it was my deciding factor was, I mean, obviously I knew I wanted to go to UConn, but um, on the visit, it was when UConn played Baylor um, and it was at the Excel Center in Hartford and it was like sold out like 16,000 people. And like being at that game, I was like, all these people are here for like a women's basketball game. And I just, I'd never seen that before. So that was kind of, I knew I was going there. It didn't matter what any other school did or said, like I knew UConn was it. So I committed before I left. <laughs> that, hey, you made a great decision. Not only did you win one championship or two, all four years you guys won. Was there one year over the others that you felt more pressure to do it again? Probably our senior year, just because that would have been the fourth one. We would have been like the only class ever in men's and women's to have done it. Um, but at the same time, like Coach Gino was really good at kind of taking that pressure off you where we didn't talk about it a lot because, and it's, you can't really focus on it because he put so much other pressure on you that like you have to focus at this moment. Um, but they did, the coaches did a really good job of making sure that like we weren't, you know, in preseason thinking about winning four in a row. And it was just like, just take it day by day. Trying to focus on that and just really not let the other rings kind of get a distraction. When you see the WNBA right now growing their fandom, especially this year and throughout the past few years. And then you look at your college experience with sold out arenas really and courts. What do you think made women's basketball at UConn so popular? And how do you think that those tactics can impact the WNBA? I mean, I think if you look at kind of all the, like a Tennessee, Notre Dame, now South Carolina, you know, those schools that are winning programs, like it's happened over a long period of time, you know? And I think you, and also when you're part of a school, you automatically are going to have more loyalty because, you know, that school has been there for however long and people love the school. But I think as the league continues to get older and especially as the league continues to be on TV, you know, at UConn, we played on ESPN or ESPN2 all the time. Like we were always on TV. And so I think this year in the league, we got way more games on ESPN. So we were out there. People got to could turn the channel and see us on not having to buy a league pass to watch. So I think if they can kind of obviously like the time that just takes time, but the more exposure is just going to keep growing. That was the biggest difference this year. Like we couldn't even have fans in our, in our, I want to say attendance, but like our viewership grew and we no fans could be there. We played at a neutral site, but it was just because our games were on TV. It was easier to access. So I think the more that happens, it's going to continue to grow and more people will know about it. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, you know, it's frustrating to see with the NWSL women's soccer, they had kind of like you mentioned, they you had to pay, you had to get a pass to watch them. And they wonder why that women's soccer isn't growing more in viewership. That's because they just don't have the views. People aren't going to pay. You can't just flip the channel anymore and see women's soccer unless it's the championship game and it's super late at night on CBS. So yep. it's 
It's like, how are they supposed to grow? But the WNBA definitely is trailblazing that. And you went into the WNBA in 2016 after your senior year, and you were drafted third overall, which is unbelievable. Congratulations. And you got drafted to the Connecticut Suns. When you were drafted, I was talking to Alicia Gray about this last week. What were your thought process when you were sitting at the table? Did you know that the cameras were going to come over and you were going to get drafted? How did that go for you? Um, well, I mean, it was really exciting, but like my agent had told me before. I, oh, so you knew? Yeah, I knew. And yeah, then the cameras come over. So like, I knew Bree was going to go one. I knew Mo was going to go two. And then I knew, like I, I knew before, but it, it was still really exciting. And it didn't really seem real until they actually said your name. Cause that's kind of like what you dream of your whole life. Um, so it was really cool. It was also kind of nerve wracking, but it was, it was really cool, especially being in Connecticut because the draft was also in Connecticut. So it was like, you kind of still had all those UConn fans and stuff. So it was a really cool experience. Were you excited to continue to stay in Connecticut? Yeah, I was. I mean, Connecticut as a state, I mean, before I went to UConn, I kind of didn't know anything about it. Like I had no idea coming from the Midwest, but from being there and you just see how much support they have for women's basketball, it's a really special place and you don't get that in a lot of places. So, cause, and I will say when you, especially like my rookie year, I noticed it a lot when you are in the league and you start traveling, you really appreciate your fans because there were some places that like had no fans and you're like, Whoa, especially coming from college. And so being in Connecticut, we had fans at every single game. They're always loud. And it's like, they made you feel like they cared. Um, and that you really appreciated way, way more once you started traveling around. All right. That's a good point. I never thought of that because there's some teams, like you said, that just the fandom isn't there. And when you have a home game, it's like, is this even a home game? I know. <laughs> oh, man. So with your relationship with Brianna, you know, she was your U.S. teammate and then she became your teammate at UConn and now she's drafted number one. And then you guys finally get to reunite in Seattle. But prior to that, what was your relationship as players and friends? But also, you know, once you got to the WNBA, you are competing. You're competing for those draft spots, competing for the time. How did you guys balance that relationship? Um, I mean, I think we were pretty used to it because even in high school, before we got to UConn, the tryouts, everything, we were always matched up against each other. Like it was rare that we were ever on the same team. So we played against each other all the time. Um, so then when we got to college, we were actually really excited that we didn't have to play against each other. We got to play with each other. Um, you know, and I think especially like once you get, we're on separate teams and everything and um, it's the same, you know, when you play against each other, you don't care that you're friends. You know, we might like talk to each other a little bit on the court, but like it doesn't, like you're still going to compete. Um, and then, you know, off the court, you're still like best friends. And I think the best was like when I call her Stewie, people are Stewie also, but her second year in China was my first year playing in China and we played against each other. And China is hard to live in. It's because you're by yourself, everything. And both of our moms happened to be there and we played against each other. And it was like the best reunion ever. Like we were, that was probably the only time like playing. Like, on the other side of the world yeah, but that too. was probably the only time like playing where we were like, we were friends on the court and off the court because we were like so ready to see someone that we knew. <laughs> but besides that, it's always, the same we're like when you're playing against each other you're just a competitor and then after you know it's like nothing ever happened having those relationships are so important because they also if you're competing against each other help you push but it's nice to hear that sometimes when you are on the court you just have to smile and enjoy it and embrace just playing against your friend and before you guys were able to become teammates in Seattle you were with the Suns and you got injured your rookie year 
and also had some continuation of the injury your second year in the season. How did you keep your mentality strong and just continue to fight so in your third year of the season, you were finally able to have a complete season? At this point, I'm actually very used to injuries. I've had six knee surgeries, so I've been out a lot. Yeah, I've had six, and so... On both knees? I've had base three on each knee. So when I did my one my rookie year, I mean, I did the exact same thing in college. So I had to have the same surgery and everything. So I knew it's oh, ACL. No, well, I did ACL when I was younger in high school. And then I've had it's cartilage damage. So it's called an oats and they like replace part of your cartilage and all that stuff. It's to me, it's worse than ACL because you're out longer. It's, it's just, it sucks, but I'm very, I was very used to it. I was very used to being out. So I think for me, it's always like my knees and injuries are just a part of my career. And yeah, you wish that you were someone that like never had injuries or gets to play all the time, doesn't sit out, but everyone's journey is a little different. So it, for me, it's just, it's changed my perspective. You know, I think I've learned the game a lot more from having to sit out and having to watch more and I have a really good support system. You know, my mom always comes if I have a surgery or anything. And she always tells me, and this is why I, I tell people one, because a lot of people ask me about how to deal with injuries and stuff. And my mom would always be like, okay, like this is your, you can have your pity party where you feel bad and the world's ending and everything. But then it's like, she'd give me like a couple days and then she's like, all right, you know what you got to do. Time to not look in the past and just get back and get back to where you want to play. And so that's the mentality I take. And it's hard, but I've been able to come back from every surgery. So I just keep doing it. Wow. Yeah. Just You just got to keep rolling with it. And sometimes, you know, you hear someone get a knee injury in high school. That's pretty serious when you're younger because just t- you actually have to rehab and recover if you want to continue to play your sport. And then you do it in college and then in the WNBA. Was there ever a time, though, that you were like, OK, my knees literally cannot work anymore or the doctors were like, no, like you need to stop. I mean, I've never gotten where they told me I need to stop, um, but I've definitely had the points where, like, I'd say my last surgery, because after I had that major and I had to have, like, another scope after, and I thought about it, I was like, maybe basketball just isn't for me. Maybe I'm just not meant to play. I keep getting hurt. And even now, I mean, like, my knees, I always, like, my knees aren't great. I have, I have arthritis, and, you know, so I'm doing other, like, finding other alternative treatments to do. You kind of get tired of, like, always having to find a way for you to not be in pain. Um, but I always think about, you know, I've had all these knee issues and I'm still here. I'm still playing. I'm still able to play. I've, you know, so that's my thing is, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm 26. So for basketball wise, I'm still young. So it's kind of like, as long as they can take me and I can rehab and get back to it. And it's not going to like hurt my health, like real health, you know, you just have to see what's important. You know, you can always, but my thing is, I don't want to you know, get hurt and be like, okay, I'm done. And then I regret it when I could have came back or when I couldn't rehab the right way. So, you know, I think it's just people, how they feel on the inside of what, what do they really feel like they want to do and if they can walk away from it and be okay. And I think everyone's very happy that you didn't give up because after your three years with the Suns, you went to Seattle this past year for your first year and you were able to be back with your teammate, Brianna. And what was it like being traded you know when people are traded some people are usually excited or really shocked and happy it sounded like you wanted to go to Seattle so kind of quickly just talk about how a WNBA trade goes down and what you do to move forward yeah so mine was um, I had asked for the trade and so my contract was uh ending anyway so we did technically a sign and trade so technically I signed with Connecticut but we knew it was going to be a trade right after so 
after so three would, years that no it would be so like in free agency was in i think it was like mid-january to mid-february and so my so i did a, i had a three-year contract in connecticut but then they did a player option year which is the fourth year so technically i was there for four seasons but then after that you become a restricted free agent which means your team has a little more control over where you go um, but so I asked to be traded and Seattle wanted me and I really wanted to go there. So they, they were able to figure out a trade. So it was a positive one. <laughs> That's good. And knowing that you're going to get traded and your team knows that, you know, you're asking for the trade. How do you continue that relationship with your teammates and how do you decide to approach that with your teammates? Um, luckily in Connecticut, we had a really, really good group of a team. Like it was for my four years, it was like a core of us that were there for like three, four years together. So it was really easy to be open about it and to talk about that I wanted to go somewhere else. I mean, I also wasn't the only one, so that helped too. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then, you know, it was hard because, you know, in college, you never talk about trades or anything. So, but when I, you know, I spoke to my coach about that, I wanted to be traded. I spoke to the VP about it. Um, and sometimes you just kind of, and that's like parts where you have to kind of grow up and you have to advocate for yourself. And I knew, I think I had a better opportunity going somewhere else. So I kind of just had to be an adult a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> actually grow up, which yeah. is never, <laughs> which is never fun. And you haven't been able to actually physically be in Seattle yet because this was your first year with Seattle and there was the bubble. What was it like to win a championship in the WNBA your first year? How much did this one mean in particular with everything going on. I mean, it meant a lot to me because it was my first one, obviously, that I was a part of. And then, I mean, this season was harder. Like, it was harder than any other season that I've played in the league. And in ways, like, we didn't have to travel, which made it easier. Like, that always makes it better for your body. You don't have to fly around. But being in Florida, being kind of isolated on a campus, it, it wasn't bad at all. Like, we were taken care of, but it wasn't and it wasn't that enjoyable either. You know, I think after like a month, everyone was kind of like, all right, this is cool. But at the same time, I think the league put on a, they did, I think the best that they could have done. And it was good. It was, you know, they took care of us. The Where we stayed was nice. We had a pool. So I'm like, you can't go wrong with the pool. Definitely cannot. <laughs> but it was, it was good. Do you guys play pool basketball then? Is it super intense? No, we actually did. The pool was really, literally like people were just relaxing. It was like, we needed no basketball zone. basketball and I mean, as much as you can, because you have like the coaches and the refs and everything down there. So you're like, yeah, but it was good. <laughs> That's fun. And you kind of just mentioned you have the coaches and the refs. Everyone's in there. Did you ever take advantage of that and like actually just sat down with one of the refs? I didn't personally. I don't want to talk to the refs the majority of the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dude, I feel like they're just the ones in the bubble that no one wanted to talk yeah, to. Exactly. I mean, I think as time went on, people were more comfortable, but you know, it was weird Aww. that like you could see a ref that you felt like, you know, if you were like yelling at her, like, oh, look at that. you made a shitty call yesterday exactly. and you guys are both going for the same donut. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. Well, while you guys were in the bubble and winning the championship, did you guys just pack your bags right away and like took the flight the next day? Yeah, I did. I was out the next morning. I was like, I'm ready to leave the bubble. <laughs> Don't even organize the suitcase. Just throw no, it all in bags. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, can, I can organize it at home after I wash it. What was the first thing you did when you got home well so I actually bought a house while I was in the bubble so I went to go and I couldn't see it in person oh my so gosh was, yeah that was the first thing from the airport <laughs> go you go into a bubble there's COVID social injustice you win a championship and you come home to a brand new house it's like that's awesome and, I'll say it was a good ending yeah wow and before I let you go a few quick questions you have now 
five rings. So four NCAA championships, one WNBA. Do you ever, have you ever worn all five on your hand and how do they all look together? I have, I mean, I put all four from college um, and then I have some from high school. So I put those on together. You have some from high school too. Did I miss that? Did you have championships? Of course you did. Yeah, but it's okay. It's high school. Still, I never (laughs) won any. So that's cool. Yeah, but no, we and we'll get our WNBA championship the start of next season. They always like present it like the first game. Hopefully, if it's back to normal, everything's back to normal. But so that's the one I'm really excited to see because I know that one's going to be like way better than all the other ones. Oh wow! Are you gonna now? How many did you win in high school? Three. Are you kidding me? You don't lose. (laughs) You do not lose. So that's three, four, eight. Yeah. You played in China also. And what was that like? Did you get any like inside scoop on COVID while you were there? Did you feel like anything was stirring up? Well, no, well when I played in China, it was not. So this past year I was in Turkey. So when like COVID, everything. Oh, you were, okay. Yeah. I was, I was like in China pre-COVID. So yeah, but the people I know that played in China, I think some of them got it, but didn't know. They didn't like right. know. Sydney Weiss was in Spain. Spain and she, yeah. yeah. And she was like, yeah, oh, I knew about it since like December. And I'm like, what? Yeah, just in America, they don't tell us anything. Yeah. I was no. here. So I'm like here. I didn't know. But then when I heard, talked to some people that played in China, I was like, mm, I think it's been around a way longer than we thought it was. We right. just pulled late. Did you enjoy your time in China and Turkey? Yeah, I did. I mean, Turkey was great. We traveled around Europe. I had American teammates. It was fun. China's a little hard because you're by yourself. You can't have uh, any other foreigners on your team. Oh, really? Um, but, yeah, but they they take really good care of you, like really really good care. Uh, but yeah, China was hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what sure. was that? What was the weirdest thing you experienced in China? Uh, I mean, I think the weirdest thing because it's not like America where there's so much diversity. Like there, it's a lot of. Like there's like Koreans, but it's usually Asian where everyone looks similar. So it was like people would come and like touch my skin or touch my hair and stare. And like, because they're not like, if some people it was their first time seeing like a black person ever in their life in person. So you were kind of treated like a, an alien, <laughs> but people were nice. They were nice, but it, you could tell sometimes that this might've been like their first time really ever seeing someone that looks like you. So it was annoying. But it was interesting. <laughs> so it wasn't almost... It was more just something foreign to them and not racist, correct? No, no. I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't say I experienced any racism there. It's more, I think, like, cause I had my hair in braids and we had like a sponsor. My first year we had a sponsorship event, like with the team and they brought like a group of they like older people from like a rural village in China. I was literally the first black, and the ladies were like a hundred. It was the first black person I, they've ever seen in person cause they lived in their little village. And so like, they had like asked, well, through my, I had a translator, asked my translator, like, could they touch my hair? Because they never seen it you know so some of that I was like okay they're old whatever um but a lot of it I think they're just so not used to seeing people that look different that they're just kind of like they really don't know what to do and then there's not really like personal space so they're it's not like rude to do it even though to me it's they just don't respect boundaries yeah but it's like but i think it's more out of just because they haven't seen it but eventually i was like all right now like i told my translator like (laughs) tell them no because i i can't do it anymore (laughs) wow it's interesting to hear those stories because it just reminds 
me at least, and I think so many Americans, how grateful we are to have not only such a diverse country, but the opportunity to travel and see the world where these people are 100 years old and they've only seen their own race. And lastly, being in the WNBA and being so elite, what experience did you have with Kobe? I saw there was a photograph with you guys. And how much does his legacy mean to you? Yeah, I always I think to myself, I'm like, I went to UConn at the wrong time because like once I left, he was around way more. And I was like, oh, I get, I'm missing it. But I did get to meet him that, that we we're at Final Four. And, you know, it was it was really cool because it was kind of like, obviously we were super excited to meet him, but it, he seemed like genuinely kind of excited to meet us um, and to introduce uh, Gigi. And so that was really cool. And I think you saw the last few years, he really, really advocated for us, I think more than any high profile male athlete. And I think people have followed suit since then, like when he wore the orange WNBA hoodie, you know, at the sideline and is like giving LeBron a hug like that just it speaks volumes like he didn't have to do that like he is he's Kobe he's focused on what he wanted to do and no one would have thought anything about it but for him to really support the women's game like actively like be at the games speak about it wear WNBA gear it really helped us I think a lot it's the fact that he's gone it, it sucks you know I think it affected a lot of people but I think you it's kind of like you wanted to see his work so he could see it to see what it did because he did a lot for us in a short amount of time. And I think even, especially for like Gigi, like this was her goal. Like we're living the life that she wanted to live as she got older. But at the same time, I think everything happens how it's supposed to happen. And it's unfortunate. And I wish it didn't happen that way. But, you know, Kobe and I'd say Gigi, I think both of them, they they really did a lot for our league. And so I really hope that we can continue to grow it to, you know, kind of in their honor because he, he definitely helped catapult us up there a little bit. Right. I totally agree. And it's so sad. And like you said, everything happens for a reason, even though you might not even understand the reason or why that happened. But seeing how much Kobe has done for the WNBA and, you know, with or without him, that he made such a great impact. But, you know, you made a good point. You just wish that. But to have him experience it is something really tough to see. So thank you so much, Morgan Tuck, for joining us and good luck with your new home. All right, thank you so much, Morgan Tuck, everyone. Thank you. All right, thank you so much again, Morgan Tuck. Such a great inspirational story. Some quick league updates around sports. First, starting off with the NFL. If you did not see this on my Instagram or just all over the internet yet at She's Got Balls Podcast Instagram, Make sure you check out this video of Bears wide receiver Javon Wims being suspended for two games after punching a Saints DB. He was, of course, ejected during the game. And Wims told NFL Network that he defended his actions against the DB because the defensive backman, Garden Johnson of the Saints, supposedly spit on him and ripped out his mouthpiece, which then led him to two punches in the helmet. And he was waiting for a penalty to throw those punches. Check out the video. It's kind of crazy that he was just really antagonized him and the defensive back actually didn't even fight back but it still ended up being in a brawl and all the teammates rallied against each other and some MLB news Major League Baseball is now investigating third baseman of the LA Dodgers World Series champion Justin Turner after his decision to leave isolation after being tested positive for coronavirus in the top of the eighth inning 
And after the victory, he came back on the field to celebrate the LA Dodgers win and didn't even have his mask on. He had it on for just a little bit. Listen, I get that he won the World Series, but you have to at least keep your mask on or tell your team, hey, I want to celebrate, but I have coronavirus or just man up and just stay in isolation because you have management and people on your team that are older. So we will see how this lays out. Also in the MLB, the owners have voted to approve billionaire hedge fund manager Stephen Cohen as the new owner of the New York Mets. In order to keep the goal of this podcast short, sweet, and to the point, we are actually going to skip sports content of the week. However, we are going to do a hoot and a holler, of course, because tomorrow, November 3rd, is election day. And if you have not voted yet and you are of age, please be sure to do so. This hoot and a holler actually goes out to all of NCAA and Division One athletes and coaches who are getting involved in this year's election. Athletes will be, quote, prohibited from practicing and competing or participating in athletic events on election day tomorrow to encourage voting. Georgia Tech assistant men's basketball has led the quote all vote no play campaign and that influenced these activities being canceled and suspended in order to encourage voting for this election for not only the players but also the staff. And this is all we got for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Please be sure to follow us and subscribe to this podcast, She's Got Balls. And also follow us on Instagram at She's Got Balls Podcast and my personal pages, TikTok and IG at Grace Curtolo. Have an amazing first week of November and we'll see you here next week, Monday.